everyone, before we get started, we have another giveaway to announce for you guys. If you head on over to all of our social media at ButWhyTheOPC, you can enter now for a chance to win one of five copies for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, all on the PS4. So take this opportunity to drop back in with the most iconic skateboarding games ever made. When you play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, you get one epic collection that was rebuilt from the ground up in incredible HD. This game has all the pro skaters, levels, and tricks that you know and love, but fully remastered and with even more content than the originals. With Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, you can break skateboarding boundaries, show off your own style, and be a part of the next generation of skaters and creators. Additionally, you can play all the original game modes and go head-to-head with two-player local matches. You can also show off your style and creativity with the upgraded Create-A-Park and Create-A-Skater features. And you can compete against players from around the world in multiplayer modes and leaderboards. So head on over to at ButWhyTheOPC on Twitter and enter now. It's our pinned tweet. Click the link, get in and enter. Again, we're going to be giving away five PS4 copies of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. The winner will be announced this Friday, August 12th. So now enjoy this episode. Welcome back to But Why the Podcast, and today we are talking about probably one of my favorite sports games in existence. No, my favorite sports game in existence, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. As always, I'm Kate. I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And our spooky boy who's not covering something spooky, Alex. If I need to be spooky, I can talk about the Neversoft guy that you could unlock to play as or the skeleton. Yes. This is fair. I can keep my brand here a little bit. <laughs> Um, but as much as it's my favorite sports game, it's also one of Matt's favorite games in general, and he's been hyped to do this episode, so he's going to be leaving, leading us. Yes, I am, because this has been another Dreamcast was one episode, and Tony Hawk Pro Skater was the other episode that I've been excited to do for for a long time, and we finally got here. Um, so obviously we'll start with our intro question, and basically it'll be pretty simple of, did you play Tony Hawk Pro Skater? If so, how many of them? And then I guess what was your favorite one? I can go first. Um, I've played, I want to say I played the first one, but I'm just going to start at two because the first one's a little hazy for me. Um, So I played from two to American Wasteland. American Wasteland was so bad that I just stopped paying attention to Tony Hawk games at that point. Um, And I didn't realize that everything had come out after it. So those are the only ones I, that I've, I've played with my concrete memory. My favorite one is Tony Hawk Underground, but my for like the campaign and the story and all of that. But mechanics wise, Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three is my favorite. So I have it like split in that way. Um, but I have to give a shout out to the warehouse 
uh, free skate demo that came with the Pizza Hut stuff because that is also my favorite because I played that game. So I played that to that demo so many times. I thought it was real. God, like talk about a throwback. Jesus. <laughs> uh, for me, I played, I didn't own Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, but I played like at a friend's house like, on his 64. I did own Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. I played that one a bunch. Um, didn't play three or four, but I did play Underground one for sure, and I think that one's my favorite, only because it's where I put the most time into. Um, and I didn't really play them after that because after that I was playing uh, like Jet Set Radio, and I was like addicted to Jet Set Radio, so I stopped playing like uh, skateboarding games to play the rollerblading game. But for me, uh, Tony Hawk Underground was my favorite just because, again, because of the campaign, and it's just the one that I played the most. But I really do love Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 because it got me into kind of like that genre of video game. Cool. Alex, what do you got for us? So I played one a lot, played two some. I, like I've played through two, but I didn't play it a ton as a kid. I've played three the most. Um, and I played Tony Hawk on Game Boy Color, which is about as rough as it sounds, but I had a good time with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, you might be the only person. Uh, I mean, it was. I had only so many games on that console, so yeah, I, I made it made it last. Uh, but yeah, I I really like all the ones that I played. I guess I kind of I, at that point I've maybe just played like quote classic Tony Hawk games. Uh, three is probably my favorite because that's the only one that we owned. All the other ones we just rented and played as much as we could when we had them. Um, but yeah, I, I think three just has like really big fun levels. We could hit really insane combos, and the mechanics were really satisfying for that one. Um, but I am just incredibly excited for tomorrow when I'll be able to pick up one and two remake, uh, the one and two remake. Awesome. Which is obviously pretty much why we're doing this episode. Cause by the time this episode airs, uh, Tony Hawk pro skater one and two, the remastering will have released and back out. Um, I guess for me, as we're going to start, um, I played one, two, three, the two X, the four underground, I played Underground 2, didn't like it. Wasteland um, was kind of like my falling out of like, I'm just like, this is bad, but it's here. And then I kind of gave up because Downhill Jam sucked. And then I played Project 8 and Proving Ground, and they're both terrible. And then I just, we, there are other games after that, but that's about it. But the fun thing about this franchise, as much as I played it, um, I beat this thing on like four consoles. So I have beat it on PlayStation when it originally came out. Um, then obviously the N64. Also, I beat on the Dreamcast, which is where I played through here. If you listen to our Dreamcast episode when they released, and then I actually when the two X came out, I beat on the Xbox as well. And I owned all of these games, so basically I owned Tony Hawk One and Two on basically three consoles, and I played the PlayStation One actually so much because of what my friends owned. So I would like everybody to point. I would like to point out to everybody if you haven't realized uh, by episode one fifty two, right? One fifty two. Yes. Um, Matt either doesn't like things or just likes them very, very, very hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would just like yeah. to point that out. I mean, and side note here, right? Like we've covered a couple of video game sports, video games, like so far, Kate hasn't played any of them, but Kate played the hell out of this. So Sir, I think, yeah, I played the very last NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that one, but yeah. So I think that also speaks to like but how yes. good this game is when, you know, it's a but sports yeah. game and Kate's all into it. I'm, I'm down. Yeah, so this is a lot of love goes, a lot of love's going to go into this episode. I oh, yeah, for it. sure. Like I said, this is obviously one of the franchises I've been waiting to play and something I've been, 
I don't talk about it a lot because kind of like Sonic, it just kind of died and then went to complete garbage for the last like 10 years. And so it's been rough to be a Tony Hawk Pro Skater fan. So you just kind of, like Alex said, like the originals, which basically means the only games that actually count. Um, Sonic, Call of Duty, Halo, Pro Skater. <laughs> Name a franchise that hasn't been run into the ground, please. <laughs> Not, well, I tell you this much. Outside of maybe Sonic, um, this is by far the worst franchise that's been run into the ground, which we'll get into later. Oh, no, Numbers. Yeah, um, but as far as my favorite, it's by far pro, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Uh, I love the second one. It's great. Obviously, even in the 2X, because it's like a com combination of 1 and 2, which is basically the original 1 and 2 game. Um, 3, great for the mechanics, which I know everybody loves, but I still just love 2 so much more. Um, just 2 brought so much well. And then I also, which we'll kind of get into with the mechanics, as much as they're nice, some of them what I added mm -hmm. definitely took away from what I enjoyed, and not that they were bad. That just made me worse, which we'll talk about. Um, so I guess we'll start off with basically some background. The franchise began in 1999. It officially released on September 29th of 1999, developed by Neversoft, which uh, poor Neversoft closed down in 2014. Um, they developed the game from basically 1999 to 2007, with the later years being Roto, Robo Moto that took over for the later games that are all awful. Um, I do want to say a fun fact about Neversoft. I didn't realize until listening to this or doing this episode, because I kind of knew, but as much as I've talked about, like, Bethesda and all these other stuff, like, me growing up, Neversoft probably been the biggest part and influence of my entire childhood between this and Guitar Hero, of how much Guitar <laughs> Hero I played. Because I, I still own, like, four guitars in, like, every Guitar Hero game ever made. Again, when Matt <laughs> loves things... He loves them hard. I, I say this. I say this as something that Matt loves. It's. <laughs> I, I have over five hundred between Guitar Hero and then eventually Rock Band. I have over five hundred dollars worth of DLC into those games. He still plays them. He took it out like when quarantine first started and was playing so much on expert that he was sweating. It was it was a sight yeah, yeah, look, to behold. No, I in the get it. For our, for Guitar Hero is so oh. good. I still have a PS2 for the sake of Guitar Hero. That's why I have an Xbox 360, because the worst, I have Guitar The Hero. worst gift I ever gave Matt was the new Guitar Hero, because he played it for a little while and just talked about, man, but this isn't Guitar Hero. And I was like, okay. So here's the thing. I actually really, this is off topic, but I kind of really enjoyed the new Guitar Hero, specifically the live TV function, where it would just play music videos on yeah. a loop. Yes. Like, that was such a good feature. So I actually enjoy the game, and I love the feature they have. The problem I have is I never got over the whole, we just want to make it difficult, so instead of going left to right, we're going to go up to down. Oh, and yeah, then, the new controller I was not a fan of. And then obviously, the, I, I still like the color spectrum other than it's just black and white. Black, white, up, down, yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yes. So Tony Hawk. Yes, yeah, so Tony Hawk. <laughs> um, obviously, some of the, uh, for the new game, it actually, since ne as I mentioned, never stops, is closed down. Um, basically, uh, Vicarious Visions will be doing that, which they also did a lot of the ports over to their stuff. Also, other fun fact about Never Stop, that was actually the original gamer tag from my Xbox Live and my first character in WoW. Um, I am not surprised. <laughs> and then I had to listen Yo, to this, this episode is going deep, y'all. Like, Which, this again, man named his when Matt loves things, when Matt loves things, he loves them hard. People talk about the Pixar little eye, but the O in Neversoft is still where it's at. Um. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's a statue in Dallas that is just a giant eye. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, Neversoft. Yes, I love Neversoft. 
Rest in peace. Um, so synopsis <laughs> for those of you that somehow do not know what a Tony Hawk Pro Skater game is. Basically, it's a franchise series of skateboarding games um, with kind of the originals, which we talk about would basically be Tony Hawk Pro Skater before we get into like the actual names. Um, basically, more of a classic arcade game where you kind of achieve high scores or perform certain tasks. With the later entries, basically, where underground starts, where you get like more of a story-based mode, and eventually in the light, later games... Um, kind of this whole my player uh, thing where you kind of like start as a regular skater to make a career and that's kind of like in a project eight proving grounds uh stuff it's um, an underground underground you do that they kidnap you and they put you in a van and then you start becoming a pro skater well yeah. i know but that's not i know what you're talking about the story mode but i'm talking about explicitly like into like an actual like they mm, put me in a van man oh, i know they did. and i became a pro i know that's fine i graffitied uh, all over the world <laughs> i know um, as far as the games, the funny thing is, like, talking to people, there's actually a total of 20 games. Um, basically, 19 have actually been published by uh, Activision, so I'll probably only count that with another one that nobody cares about. And this is including the new one of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 coming out, um, with Neversoft doing all of them but two, and um, the 2X1, which essentially is a port of one, and then Downhill Jam, and then Robo Moto doing the last seven of them. So they actually break it down into the Neversoft era, and the Robo Moto error, which is always going to be great saying this whole entire era. episode. Huh? Era. I don't care. Or are you calling it an error because it was I mean, it was an error at this point. Um, <laughs> so the list of these games, we have... Um, I don't think people, at least in my opinion, looking at people when they talk about how great these games, I don't think they realize how critically acclaimed some of these games are, which we'll kind of go over now. Like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 came out in 99. Um... So for the Metacritics, this is also, um, I'll give the Metacritic score, but this is kind of like an average because we've talked about this before of these, this early 2000s and the mid 2000s of like games were made differently for each console. Mm -hmm. So each console got its own rating and they varied so much as Alex mentioned with this Game Boy Color, which actually is like, I'm, I still don't know how you played that essentially. I, um, I had that and Dave Mira's BMX on Game Boy Color and played both of them extensively. I somehow feel like Tony Hawk Pro Skater on Alexa would be easier than Tony Hawk <laughs> on the Game Boy. Probably. It, on, I want to say it was uh, basically a platformer for street courses and then there was like a half pipe mode. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so going into these games, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 debuted in 1999 as a, kind of like I said, an average Metacritic score of 93. Um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, 2000, with a Metacritic score of 97. Um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, Metacritic of 93. Um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2X, which I said is kind of like the little hybrid thing, actually has a Medi uh, 2001 Metacritic score of 80. And then Pro Skater uh, 4, 2002, Metacritic of 91. And then, obviously, we get to Underground in 2003 with a Metacritic of 88. And those are probably what we'll probably focus on for probably most of the episode once we get into the but why those. But we have to mention the rest of them because they do technically exist. Uh, we have Underground 2, 2004, Metacritic of 83. We'll start seeing a pattern here soon. Uh, American Wasteland in 05, Metacritic of 78. Downhill Jam, Metacritic of 68. Um, Project 8, 2006. Uh, I would... What? Sorry, I would like to do one thing for American Wasteland. So I'm remembering that I hated American Wasteland for a very petty reason. I couldn't actually play as a female character when uh, I was trying to go through the campaign. And it made me very mad. Because I had just played Underground 1 and 2 where I got to do that. That's what it was. Okay, it was petty. Also, the, the mechanics were awful. But... The mechanics were terrible. Uh, the soundtrack's great, though. I still actually The like soundtrack the, is really good. The Wasteland soundtrack. Um... 
Project 8, 2006, Metacritic is 70. Proving Ground, 2007, Metacritic is 73. And those are the errors. So, I mean, at, even at the end of Neversoft, they're still pulling a 73, which is still not an awful game. It's still not a great game, especially when you start with, like, a 97 and 93 and stuff. And then we move to the Robo Moto. Um, it starts with Motion in 2008. has a Metacritic of 40. Um, Shred in 2010. Or, excuse me, Ride in 2009, Metacritic of 46. Shred in 2010 has a Metacritic of 54. Uh, the funny thing about Shred is essentially this game sold so poorly that they thought this was actually going to be the end of the franchise. It sold like less than 3,000 copies. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> but they said no. We need to put out more Tony Hawk. <laughs> um, so then we get Pro Skater HD in 2012 as a 66, which is literally like the dumbed-down version of the remake. They basically tried to oh. HD it out, but it's just kind of terribly done. Um, and then we get to the, the final straw that broke the camel's back of Pro Skater. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 came out in 2015, has a Metacritic score of a 35. Big um, rip. This is yeah. basically this game... Um, is the fourth and fifth lowest rated game of the PS4 and Xbox One era. Um, so that's how bad they're rated. Um, it was named the worst video game of the year by multiple outlets that year. And then I did want to read a quote from Entertainment Weekly. Um, basically said, This game is an insult to its history, to its licensed skaters and sponsors, to modern hardware, and to anyone who plays it. <laughs> so I looked, up, I looked up the animation. It's this terrible. is ugly oh no it's terrible it's it's ugly mr hawk if you're listening to this episode for whatever reason because you're a very nice man i'm sorry but this is ugly yeah they don't know what Dear happened Lord. in that game and like i said the the i've never personally played this game because i saw the trailer and knew this is terrible looking for being 2015 what happened so yeah oh honey no yeah, I had to go through that. There is a lot. I said there's a lot of games. People forget about them. I said I remember Ride coming out. I remember the HD one. I just wasn't. It wasn't enough for me to get down. But like, oh, they were so bad. So, does anybody have any stuff with the history and whatnot before we get into some of these? But why those? On some I mean, I'm just history? sad right now. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> however you can bring us out of this. Yes, yes. And that's the funny. But also, I'm going to send you. I just made a line graph of all of the scores, and it, it bums me out. <laughs> Yeah, because we talked about before of like um, how much. Oh my god! <laughs> so we talk about how um, you know some of these franchises we mentioned before how they go downhill, and you're like, well, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, everybody agreed they're terrible. Um, Numbers hurt sometimes. That's yeah. what this podcast has taught me. And, and I know that Matt just like covered all of this, but can we include Alex's line graph of all the I information? I will. That I will include it. <laughs> include it in the show notes because this is dedication to how bad like that decline is from like the tippy top to absolute. the only thing worse than this is you know madden 2020 <laughs> yeah 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 um so like, i'm just very sad for tony he's just such a nice I man know. i want him to have a good video game well the good from what i understand is obviously not like he didn't help but i don't know how much he actually helped on the robo moto era of games because it looks like they literally tried to change what the game like basically well in that case it. they got what they deserved and that's yeah, no, they why tried to redo one and two um, is good now this is also kind of not necessarily connect era but two but they tried to make it super because obviously skate comes on and they try to make it super realistic oh. of like you need to lean with your controller and you need to do this motion yeah. captioning and it's just terrible um oh. 
But anyways, so to get to the but why, though, so we can all come back to a happier place of what this franchise is actually about <laughs> and not whatever Jaws 4, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 is. <laughs> um, Wait, are those the same thing? Because I'll play it. They might as well. <laughs> if I can be a skateboarding <laughs> shark. They might as well be. Um, for those of you that listen to our Jaws episode, Jaws 4 is probably the worst rated movie, I think, on uh, IMDb of all time. It is. Yeah. Um, as I always start all of my episodes of lead, we have a successful franchise. Big surprise. Um, it's weird because it's a franchise that was technically around for 15 plus years, but also it hasn't done anything for like the last five, six years. But obviously we're getting a remastered coming out. So from its, from its peak, though, it's definitely a very successful, even though it kind of got ran to the ground. I will um, say by the time this comes out, that game is already out. So we can talk about it in present tense. Yes, mm-hmm. that is true. And so far, those reviews are looking way bigger than the bottom half of that line chart. Um, <laughs> um, but no. Um, it sold, um, as far as sales, it sold over 30 million units. Obviously, this will grow as a new release. Um, and this is actually really impressive to me for a few reasons. One, this is despite even making a decent game, which I guess if you want to count Proving Ground since 2007, but really like 2004. So it almost hasn't made a good game in like 15 to 16 years. Um, basically, it put in context too of like the way games, because when I looked at these numbers, it's kind of like the way games sell now, because we think, oh, 30 million units is still a lot, but it's not. Like in 2000, um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 were the number two and number three top selling games that year. Um, so not only the first one, but the second one. And then obviously the year before, you know, Tony Hawk, I think it was like the first one was like the third best selling. And they're like every year this was released for the first like four or five games. It's in the top five to ten, like top selling games. Which like I do think is something to call out to like not even just like the fact that like the way games sell, but like when we look at sports games, like for whatever reason, you would think that like soccer, football, like things that people watch daily, you know, would have that higher participation from a fan base but like skateboarding is more and like has has more of that i don't want to say more that's a lasting effect but like when it comes out it has more of an impact i guess mm-hmm. um and a consistent one when it was good which i think is like when you think about sports games and stuff like that is just really interesting to me because like x games happen not that often but i guess I would say anybody can skateboard, but anybody can also play soccer, so. Yeah, can yeah. I put it into context a little bit? Because I was just curious, like, what games came out in that year. Yes. Um, 2000 Pokemon Stadium is number one for the N64, and then Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, and then Pro Skater 1, and then Majora's Mask and Gran Turismo 2. Yes. Like, Gran Turismo 2 is oh, fantastic. Shit. Majora's Mask is huge. Oh, yeah. And Tony Hawk outselled both of those with two games. That is actually amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, and the funny thing with the fun fact of this whole thing is only six games actually even sold over one million copies that year. <laughs> yeah. And, like, to put that into some more context, Madden 2001, which is a pretty good Madden game, yeah, I would say. Good. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. You know, Tony Hawk's doubles, it over doubles its sales that year. Yep. On Ooh. PlayStation and, you know, almost all the consoles. That's what's just really interesting to me. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why in my brain, like, I just think football would sell more. But, like, that that's just. 
my whole takeaway from this is like how much could people talk about the biggest selling copy like look at how much call of duty sells on average per year right now yeah and how much popular it is and so it's just weird when you compare the copies of like you know call of duty sold like 500 million copies on all of their games and tony hawk's only sold 30 but it's kind of like yeah but tony hawk was doing this when you're if you sold a million apparently you got like there's probably a million pre-orders yeah. right now for the new call of duty um, yeah. It just wasn't it's, a popular. It's, it's just crazy of like how much it actually sold yeah. per se. It's also like I think, uh, I think it gaming is probably a better look at the trend of like how we. I don't want to say advanced, but like how much technology has come into the home and like how it's become like common. Like everybody has a console, yeah. and so like we're able to do these larger numbers. And I think that that's an even. I think game. Sales is one of those things when you watch its trajectory has more importance than watching like movie ticket sales because um, I know a lot of people always use movie ticket sales but like when you use like actual units and consoles per home like that actually I think speaks to a change in culture larger than film mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah and it's doing it basically on just like at that time like one console kind of right yeah. like I mean it on the Dreamcast it only sold 200,000 copies. But on the yeah. PlayStations, it's selling, you know, millions of copies on the yeah. PlayStation. Like, yeah. and that's just, you know, more. And NFL's on, like, everything, right? Yeah. To kind of put that into some more context for how big, like, this is. And selling it, you sell out Majora's Mask, which is, like, arguably one of, like, the best Zelda games, like, there is. And it outsold that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep, but couldn't beat Pokemon. <laughs> hey, Pokemon's well, game is fantastic, <laughs> my guy. That game's well, really good. it's Pokemon, so. <laughs> it is Pokemon, yeah. Yeah. Although I, I do wonder with this if like part of the success of the game was the moment that it existed in, not just in that skating was getting more popular, but I just looked it up and Tony Hawk landed the 900 literally three months before the game came out. Yep. Yeah. Like that close. And I didn't realize that it was in that close to proximity because like the 900 is his big move in the game. So in my yeah. head, I was like, oh, that must have been like early in development. But nope, like they put that in later. Um, yeah. but like, I don't, I don't think I know anyone who, well, who was paying attention to skateboarding at the time who doesn't remember like seeing that for the first time. Like there's very few videos that I can watch or things I can do where I feel like a child again, but like yeah. watching that video of Tony Hawk, I remember exactly where I was when I saw it the first time. I remember they put on ESPN. I watched that thing live because mm -hmm. they basically, when he went, they basically all sports channels went straight into watches because yep. they knew he was going to attempt it. <laughs> and that's exactly how I watched it. Was just like sitting in my living room, just being like, "He's gonna do it." Like this, yep. and like I was barely into skateboarding, but I knew how monumental it was. And so to like watch that happen, and then have a whole summer of trying to become a skateboarder, uh, and then to have that game drop, like it was just such a perfect storm for it to be as successful as it was. Yeah, yeah. and I think too. Um... Like, when we think about, like, I guess this is, I guess I kind of solved it for myself listening to you talk, Alex, and then thinking back to, like, the fact I had a skateboard that, like, I made yeah. with my cousin's boyfriend. Like, there is, I'm, I and my dad, my dad actually did, like, we talked to my dad, just, like, liking NCAA, whatever. Like, we're never going to go play in the NFL, and we're never going to go, you know, play mm -hmm. for Real, Real Madrid, but... We can all pick up a skateboard and do the things that we were doing in the game. Yes. Like, in a more realistic way. Anyways, but also, like, as much as we talk about, like, the good stuff coming and, like, these games being popular and selling a lot, obviously they're, uh, what really obviously helps, too, is they're critically acclaimed. So, especially Tony Hawk Skater 1 through 4 into the Underground. Um, 
I knew they were highly rated, and I knew they were some of my favorite games. I didn't realize, I mean, I kind of knew, but I didn't even know even myself of how highly rated some of these games are. Like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 is still one of the highest rated games of all time. Like, if you look up, like, any, like, highest rated game list, it's pretty much on there. It's probably not the yeah. first one thing, but, you know, within the top 10, usually maybe top 15. Obviously, as games come out, you know, down the years, you know, you know, people buy PlayStations and with some of these single-player games, and then, you know, obviously it moves up. But uh, um, also, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 holds the Guinness World Record for the highest-selling action sports game, for whatever hmm. action sports means. But still, yeah. um, I'm assuming, you know, kind of like what Kate was saying, was kind of like Madden is not there. Um, you know, it doubles the thing. Um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 is basically the highest-rated PlayStation 1 game on Metacritic of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think it has a 98. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, also, that makes sense, too. Yeah. Uh, go, go ahead, Alex. Oh, no, I was just going to say, circling back to the fact that these are critically acclaimed games, can you imagine the reception of this game? Like, had it not been a good video game, if it had tanked, if it was bad when it came out, like, how hard it would have tanked and been just labeled a cash grab? Yeah. Like, yeah. because of the proximity to the night. Like, if this game hadn't been a masterpiece, people would have written it off so, so hard. It's, it was just amazing. Obviously, it won a lot of awards throughout the years. Obviously, best sports game almost every year. Fun fact, by the way, though, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 apparently lost, like, the best uh, uh, game of the year, whatever, to SSX, which also is a very I fantastic game, game. I love that game! I love that game so much! Which is funny, because we're talking about all the sport, uh, skateboarding games and whatnot, but we kind of forget that snowboarding games at this time is also very, very popular. Yes! Mm-hmm. X Games, brother. Come on, yes. man. X Games are... You guys want to talk about Kelly Slater's Pro Surfer? No, we do not. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the, all of the pro extreme athlete games that this spawned. I also feel like Crazy Taxi for some sorry. For some reason Crazy Taxi sticks into my brain and I think it was the soundtrack that Crazy Taxi had of like, oh, my favorite games, SSX, Pro Skater, Crazy Taxi, which I like somehow equate to all of the action sports games that i played growing up i do know when i was looking at some notes that did come up of just how like the arcade type style of like in the fast pace with the music that came like yeah. the genre type games even though you're driving a taxi cab um that yeah. did come up quite a bit um, but okay. no this is obviously peak era for sports games whether it be tony hawk because i mean even this, the like i said the weird part we don't realize is Madden and like 2K, like we talked about on the Dreamcast thing, or like because um, if you look at the top tel- selling Dreamcast game, I believe it's NFL 2K, and it's yeah, got a that, lot. that was that was gonna be my point here. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know how much this goes into kind of like timing or, or what the case is, but you know, PlayStation launches in 2000, uh, PlayStation PlayStation 2 launches in 2000, and Madden 2001 is that console's like best selling, you know, like game basically. So if you yeah. look at like the top 10 selling list for 2000 for ps2 games it's madden nfl tekken ssx uh, nhl ridge rider 5 midnight club smugglers run summoner time splitters dead or alive 2 tony hawk's not even on that list for the ps2 but if you look at or for the ps for the ps2 but if you look at the ps1 tony hawk pro skater 2 sells 1.5 million copies <laughs> tony hawk pro skater one sells 1.3 million copies. Gran Torino 2 sells 1.5 million copies. Like, I think it just comes at like that perfect moment of like, hey, not everyone has a PlayStation 2, but you have a PlayStation 1, so let's play all these games that didn't launch on like the PlayStation 2. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, kind of getting into the gameplay, because why we all want to play these games. Um, funny thing is this game was inspired by Top Skater from Sega from 1997, two years earlier. Um, never played it, but apparently the devs really loved it. Um, obviously, Tony, they, as I mentioned before, they kind of like vary, kind of like how the game progressed through years. So basically, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, you get these levels and timed events. Um, it's funny because the collecting of items, like I have to collect skate and like the boxes yeah. and everything, actually comes from Super Mario 64 of collecting stars. That's oh. cool. <laughs> um, obviously, you get challenges. You have this arcade feel. Um, obviously, they ended up with multiplayer, which kind of you see throughout. And obviously, they add online play as that comes to. Um, they have the main ones of basically trick attack, which is basically you do you know the highest trick of an area, uh, highest tricks, um, graffiti is essentially you have to do the highest trick of an area. So basically, if you ride this rail, it turns green. And then in order to turn it red, you had to make a higher score on that rail. And then obviously, horse, you would do a trick. You had eight seconds to do a trick, and then the player had to I do loved a- horse. Horse is I great. I loved horse so much. Um, so did y'all have any play any of the uh, multiplayer games? Because this is something that me and my brother played all the time. We just played multiplayer all the time. Yeah, I played with my brother a lot. Um, yeah. Horse was the main one. Um, it was... For some reason, that that was just one of my favorites because it was the easiest. Not easiest. It was, it was the hardest, but it was, like, the funnest, I guess. Um, I didn't really like Trick Attack that much. Um, I never played Trick Attack, to be honest. Yeah, but Horse, horse is the one that sticks out the most for me. Yeah, I, I played Horse a lot, although eventually my brother and I, especially on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, had to implement a rule about how long you could keep skating after the timer ran out. Yes, yeah. and that is something that, um, obviously we'll talk a little bit more mechanics, but that is something that I hate, probably the most part, and we had to implement a rule, because as a person who is a vert person, and my brother played more of the street in the manual and riding, basically it turned into we would just pick courses to where I got to pick a vert map to hopefully win, and then he would pick a street map, and then once they implemented some of these new mechanics, as we get into three, and even later two, um, it just sucked because he would do anything and then just run around and do a manual for the last five minutes when the timer ran out. <laughs> and I was like, you're an asshole. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, uh, the trailer that they put out for Tony Hawk has somebody racking up like a like two million point trick. And I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, this game has always been broken and they're celebrating that with this ad. Yes. yes. Yeah, it does. Um, but no, so then we get to Tony Hawk Pro Creator 4, which we get the open world and in kind of even beyond into the more of the story-based yeah. stuff. I personally was not a fan of the open world going from the levels. It wasn't bad, but I guess for one for for some reason I just didn't care for the open world maps. Um, I I loved them, um, and I, I think that like for me, that was probably it was where I got to just be more open because I liked the street parts like a lot. And so for me, a lot of Tony Hawk wasn't just vert. It was about like mixing things together. And I felt like I was, a, I was able to get way more creative with the open world than just kind of being confined. Yeah. And then obviously moving the play, my player, which obviously, like you said, they do have a story mode. You do get kidnapped in a van, as you said, in Underground 2, um, which obviously that kind of like the destruction era where they said we're going to go around and break everything we can with yes. Bam Margera or whatever the heck Bam name Margera, is. Bam Margera, yeah. Margera, yeah. Um, whatever the heck his name is, what? <laughs> I, it's funny. What? I remember, so. 
Are you discounting the cultural significance of Bam Margera right now? He's also like, a Tony Hawk he, he is episode? also an asshole, though. Yes, like, I mean, he's yeah, a terrible I'm not person. denying that at all. I'm just saying there, the cultural there, significance there, of there, it. You should know Bam Margera's name. There I are do. two ends of the of the skater spectrum. There's good guy Tony Hawk, and then there's Bam Margera. That's but fair. as somebody who was like surrounded by girls who were very obsessed with Bam Margera, I actually knew Bam Margera because of the CKY skate videos that they used to put out before anything else happened. So maybe yeah. that's why I'm so sympathetic to like Bam Margera because my uncle who got me into video games was a big skater and he would like. Like, hey, man, come watch this. And we would just, like, watch people skate all the time, like, on, like, VHS. And I was like, why are we watching this? I'm not a skater, bro. Like, I got football <laughs> practice in an hour. And then when the first time I got on a skateboard, I fell. And I was like, this is dumb. I hate this. I had the old <laughs> CKY uh, VHSs that were my cousin's, uh, my cousin's boyfriends that he lent me. And they were so great. So, like, the breaking stuff era or whatever. I thought that was fun because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Alex, were you Team Hawk or Team Majera? Oh, I'm not saying. Look, I'm oh, not, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, that's not. What I'm not saying. Here. No, no. I'm just saying. You know what Bam Margera's name is, and the I fact do. that you're like Bam, like whatever his name is. But, is no, just I said Bam Margera, whatever his name is. I know who he is. Also, I heard Bam Margera no. that time. Yeah. There is no team Bam Margera. It is always Team Hawk. Yeah, for sure. And you just have people that os- like circulate around him. Yes. Um, so then we get to the underground and beyond where basically this is probably where obviously after falling off, I hated the ability to take off your skateboard or get off your skateboard. Um, also for one, this is basically one of the things of the controls for getting off your skateboard were terrible. I don't know how you could skate so smoothly, but if you try to run a straight line, it was impossible. Yes, it was really hard. <laughs> but I counter this by saying I loved the open world of underground and the way you could do careers in underground and underground two. Underground two was a bad game because for a lot of for a lot of it, it is pretty much just underground. Like, it's a little boring. But what I really liked overall between Underground and Underground 2 that getting off your skateboard allowed you to do is it allowed you to get higher and to different levels. So, like, I remember busting a trick off of a really tall freaking billboard. And that was fun. Like, it just made it insane. And it made it more creative. And being able to get up there, slap a sticker at the highest point, and then just go all the way down like that was so fun and it was like the achievement system with that was amazing and it just made it more complex and more creative when it came to building out tricks so So. i will defend it and it taught me about the world i know i know geographical places because i grinded them is that more influential than carmen san diego for you no (laughs) but i i know okay I know landmarks because I grinded them. So also, I will I just say, realize you can sing "Where in the World Is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater." Oh yes. my god! Yes. And it works. Yes. Which kind of leads to the next point of what uh, my counterpoint of all this stuff getting off your thing: um, the difficulty issue. Because in the other previous games, um, to get to those high points, do those tricks, you had to actually skate and jump off a ramp or go off a thing and basically ollie over it to get but to the top. But they weren't as high. They but were they pretty. You, as high. you clearly they never played in the. High. You pr- clearly didn't pe- play in some of the stadiums. Um, I did, but they weren't as high. It wasn't a billboard on a high rise. Hey man, when you're busting a trick with Iron Man off of like a big ass building, <laughs> yeah. there's something like visceral about that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> but 
but I will say, but so basically they realized there was a difficulty issue because basically they kind of cut, almost like in the it, guitar. It, it did make it easier. Yeah. With basically in the Guitar Hero games, which you see if any, for any of those that followed those, um, basically they took the first one and they just kept building and building and building, but they made it more difficult, more difficult, more difficult. So it made, by the time they got to four, just like if anybody who played Guitar Hero 3 or actually probably more Guitar Hero World Tour, um, the game is just yeah. overly difficult on purpose and it really is hard for a new player to come in. And so that's when yeah. they started adjusting and making these, um, basically, let's call it too easy to sick difficulty challenges. And we start getting these, allowing you to progress the story a lot easier without having to yeah. do, like, these sick, like, million, you know, gore tricks yeah. and everything else. But they but still kept in a lot of the challenges to, for all the hardcore people who come in. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think even though it did get easier on some levels, the fact that they baked into the game the ability to challenge yourself routinely with harder things that would test your grit, that was something I really liked about it. And I think, like, because, like, you have, like, the, the car grabs and stuff. That was fun. Because grinding <clears throat> something after a car grab and using that momentum, like, the way the physics of the game and the way the physics of the game took into account how fast you were going, the height that you were coming from, and what you could do with that... That is something I think is really underrated. And even though the difficulty was easier, I think the fact that they put in those types of challenges to push you to use the game's physics in different ways is something that's actually really incredible about it. So I do. So as far as the difficult thing that I do like, and kind of you going with that, uh, it seems like they kept. It could be wrong, but from my understanding, even just kind of playing it, they kept this high difficulty bar. And yeah. so, but instead of lowering the bar, they just added extra bars underneath exactly. it. Exactly. And that yeah. was what was great about it versus, at least in my opinion, what we kind of see today, where instead of just taking this high bar and adding bars underneath it, they completely lower the bar and then hopefully try to make bars above it. And that's where we get this whole, mm -hmm. like, is this game too easy or is it whatnot else? And so, like, that's why, at least for me, I didn't even, to be honest, I really didn't know so much the difficulty issue because obviously I played so much. And so, like, me yeah. moving game to game was the thing. And then I kept the challenges of being so difficult was still always there and so it was great and so i never yeah. felt like why all of a sudden is the score going down yeah i think that that i think that that's the perfect balance it'll and it allows people to play who may not have that point of reference or just can't like hit those like finesse pieces which like my brother was like that um but then it also keeps everything in for people like us who just grinded away at these games pun intended right. um but it was just yeah. funny when I was thinking about researching it because I, it literally followed the same exact thing that happened in Guitar Hero. And it was just funny. Yeah. So kind of talking about some of these mechanics we talked about, obviously we had Tony, Park, ah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 where you just selected a pro player and you basically did a career mode with that. Um, and then basically Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 comes and beyond they have Create a Skater. Um, yes. And one else. Love which that. Yes, which I apparently so much. Yeah, which apparently I didn't realize that you couldn't add technically like I guess make a female skater until I think yep. three until three or technically it was actually two X even though they kind of oh, released it okay. was actually in two X before but because of the delay or something like that they end up happening three yeah. I think either comes out before it but technically it was originally supposed to be in a backtrack for two X and then th then three but that's where they did it as a kind of moving back stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then, so, when you get the female player in 3, and then uh, 3 and 4, they do this really weird thing with fashion, is it either completely, like, makes you completely masculine, or it, like, hyper-feminizes you, and it kind of sucks a bit, but in um, Underground and Underground 2, they, like, really take influence from streetwear from actual female skaters, and you get the ability to do a hybrid of what you want, and you don't end up with a character that just looks really sexual or really like non-feminine 
And so like there's like the creation aspect in Underground and Underground 2 are two of the things that I really, really love about the game because I got to make a player or a character that like literally dressed like me. Um, and it was so much fun. So I do know from looking at stuff, and I remember talking about um, basically one of the pros, Alyssa Steamer or whatever, I think you mm-hmm. could Alyssa not Steamer. actually put uh, skirts on her at all. Nope, not and at that, all, because they, that's what, that's how she wouldn't play. Yeah, and so yeah. I do know that was a big feature they had in there. Um, obviously, outside of the creative feature, we had the big additional features that we moved forward, because with Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, you basically yeah, basically did some grinds, some jumps, and some vert, and that was about it. And then they started adding everything. So basically in 2, you get like manuals, which we kind of mentioned a little bit before, where you're just kind of like kind of riding under wheels and kind of extending out um obviously you have this uh the switch stances and everything which was great um i don't know mm-hmm. about you um that was that actually makes a big difference to me surprisingly playing with the character whether they have a regular stance or a goofy stance yeah um and then flipping that obviously depending on your points and how you land um the big thing that ended up hurting me and outside of the manuals with the revert um i would think that would be the biggest fan of it but then it kind of didn't kill the vert but it made it just super hard and so basically, one and two, I dominate my brother, and we kind of take turns. And then as we add the manuals into the revert, I start losing a lot because I'm used to, we go up and we do big t- time trip tri- tricks, we come down with a score, not, we do big time tricks, we revert into manual, into grind, and then we're halfway across the map. Um, and then obviously we had the double tap tricks where you could do like the double flips for the boards. Obviously the balance meters of how you grind and what you're doing to keep stuff up. And eventually they added a slow motion stuff for the landing, and I personally hated that. Um, oh, that sounds gross. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know what y'all's favorite like addition they had that they ended up doing from playing. I feel like the the revert manual thing. I get the fun of it, but I also completely understand your frustration with it. Because it is a very specific skill to build out, and if you just don't or aren't interested in it, then um, it's really hard to compete against somebody in multiplayer. Um, But it also, I feel like, was maybe a little bit enabling, because there were definitely times where I would hit all three high-score challenges on a level just by exploiting revert manual grind, you know, do a 360 kickflip out of a grind into another manual, like, and just hit, you know, 600,000 points. And it's like, oh, cool, I just did three challenges, but again, exploiting things. Um, but again, it's all, but it's also there. And I feel like if it's there, then using it isn't necessarily bad. So I don't know. It's just like, I probably could have challenged myself more to not use those things. Yeah. I know from a person, like I said, from me doing it to though, I understand why they got them. And like I said, you were, it's kind of fun, but, but it did lead into like, oh, I beat three challenges off of one combo move versus like you have, especially in the older ones where you had basically, I think it's a minute and a half or two minutes to basically get these scores and yeah. there was no 700,000 combo. It was how much can you actually rack up and do stuff. But I, I, I think the added- biggest combo that I hit when I just played through one a few months ago was like, and granted, I only played through each level enough to get everything on it. was like I hit like a 70,000 point combo. Yeah, and you can do that on accident and doing stuff. I do enjoy the manuals. Obviously, the extended manuals are hard. The revert was where we kind of got tricky of like you're literally going up mm-hmm. in the air, doing tricks and coming down to revert into something else. And I'm like, oh, come on. Um, yeah. but, but I do understand why they're there. The double tap tricks were also fun just because of what you could do with the flips and stuff. And then obviously the balance meters were just nice in general, just like, you know, being able to extend it out with like skills and stuff and everything else. The so balance like, meters were fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like every iteration of them were slightly different. So it gave you something like to relearn. Yeah. Um, and one of the other things that I really liked with the, for the mechanics pieces, 
outside of the balance being my favorite was just uh, was how hard it was to recreate something if you weren't paying attention. So there was a lot of times where I was like, I just want to see what this does. And then I'd pull off like I'd pull off something really cool and then I would not be able to do it again for like months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was one of those things where like you had to learn the character. I mean, in the earlier games, you had to learn the character you were playing, you had to learn which moves they had, and then you had to remember what did what. Um, because it's and, and it and it's funny too, because you don't have to know that. Like you can easily play the game without learning any of that stuff. But like it was like an added challenge for me to replicate stuff that I had been doing. It's also what made playing horse uh, really intense because sometimes I would just mess around and do something and then I wouldn't remember. And then my brother would play and he couldn't land it because I had just messed around. But then I also like had no way of replicating that move in the future. Yeah. I yep. mean, obviously we had the diminishing returns and that was one of the great factors that pushed you to learn a lot of different moves, yeah. you know, cause if you just do the same move over and over again, you know, the first time it's 500, then it's 400, yep. 300 to where, you know, if you can do like a, I remember you could do it so many times just screwing around, you do your 900 and you get like a thousand points or something. It was ridiculously low. Um, and then obviously we, they, as with stuff progressed, we had create a park level editor, create a trick. Loved that. Wait, create a game. trick. When was that? Um, that was definitely in the later games. Okay, um, yeah. I remember the the level editor in Creative Park and all that, and it was super fun. Not going to lie, I never touched any of it except for the achievements. <laughs> um, I built squares in my zoos, and I definitely are not building parks. <laughs> I had fun with it. It's definitely one of the things that people love. I mean, it, I'm not going to act like I said. Obviously, I know I didn't, but I'm not going to discredit it because it is something that I know people love doing. And the funny thing is, even a lot of the reviews for Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five, they're like, "Man, people are creating better parks than what the hell these the, the devs actually designed." That's um, kind of what blows my mind about that game being bad because <laughs> the mechanics from one are there. Like the the base game, you could still do. You just need to design good parks and have like balanced skaters that offer a variety of experiences. Like, I don't want to say it's not hard because I'm not a game dev, but like, it's not hard. I just don't know how it looks that bad for. Yeah, like go look at actual later. skate parks and design something. Yeah. Yeah, so so moving from all that stuff, kinda like we kinda touched on a little bit, but basically Tony Hawk Pro Skater influence. Um basically this game blew up. It blew up a lot and it helped a lot of people and basically almost transcended an entire almost generation as we talk about of basically the popularity of sport uh skateboarding. It was already increasing, as we talked about kind of the nine hundred happening a few months before this release, so it was getting there, X games are coming around, but like Basically, I'll probably let y'all talk about it, but like there's been thousands and thousands of people who literally said, I picked up a skateboard and just wanted to skateboard literally because of this game. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh-oh. And I'm not, I was not an athletic child, but I still was like, I want to be a skateboarder. Didn't get very far. My brother got further into that than I did. But yeah, like it just, there, there was something very fun and engaging and inspiring and attainable about it. Yeah, I I think one of my favorite moments in life was learning that my cousin's then boyfriend, now husband, was a semi-pro with Fast Forward. That was the, that was before it was called Zoomies. Um, and he helped me build my first skateboard. Um, don't date skateboarders unless they're Tony Hawk. Um, I learned that growing up. Um, but like what, what it really did was okay. like there was a there was a solid there was a solid piece of my life where I only wore Element and Volcom 
Um, like <laughs> I love it. That like that was what I did, and then I had um, God, I can't remember. Uh, I think audios. I had skate shoes. Like I was obsessed with skate shoes. I had bright pink odd. I had it was black with bright pink, and I saved up so much money to buy a pair of audios. And then I got to replicate them in the game, which was awesome. And then the same thing happened with Vans. Like, there's so many brands that I gravitated towards because of this game and because of the create your own character. Because it wasn't so, I guess like I said earlier, like I got to make her look like, like dress like me. I got to make mm -hmm. her dress how I wanted to dress. And then I saved up money to dress like her. Um, but I never looked as good because I wanted to wear the big baggy pants with like <laughs> the like the, the tighter shirt. Never looked as good, but it looked great there. But so much of my wardrobe was influenced by that. And that actually stuck around for my brother too because when my brother played, he was obsessed with all of the shoes. And then I had them. And then when my brother started getting older, my brother exclusively wears Vans now. Okay, um, I thought you meant your brother wore tight shirts and baggy pants. He, no, <laughs> yeah. he's he's doing like the current Gen Z thing of like fitted joggers, and I don't like it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like that that aspect was super super important to me, and so were uh, collecting stickers and slapping them on things. Yeah, cool um, again. Yes, which obviously, as I was going to say, um, included fashion of, and then kind of the music. I see why you picked up your skateboard for all that stuff there, Kate. Um, <coughs> I had I, I I asked you why you picked up a skateboard and you went on with oh. clothes. <laughs> it was an aesthetic. It was the whole thing. But I was no. actually able. I only I only ever did it once, but I did do a kickflip and I could ollie. Those are the two things I could do. Yeah, nothing else. Yeah, anything I else and once, I fell. I ollied once. Tried to kickflip, busted my face, and I was like, "All right, I like I like hitting things with pads on." Uh, so I'm just gonna stick. I'm just gonna stay in my lane and watch my uncle do kickflips and you know grind on rails, and we'll just talk about it after. That's, yeah. that's I got. That's where I, I was at. You knew how you wanted to get concussions. I respect that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I wanted a prolonged concussion, not the immediate one. That's what I want. I attempted to jump downstairs one time. Oh, no. Everybody on this podcast knows how uncoordinated I am. It didn't go well. It went just like you would think. And then I learned to just stay on the ground and ollie. And then I would watch my friends do stuff. Um, I will say, after he, after my uncle saw me, like, bust my face trying to do a kickflip, he got me, like, a fancy Razor scooter with, like, the, the, the wheelie <laughs> thing on the back. And I would oh, just, I like, ride it. around on That's that. That's adorable. Like, while, <laughs> like, while my uncle did you hit your, would, like, did ride you hit your the skateboard. It's your ankle. Yeah, so that was my trick. How hard can I whip myself in the ankle? Uh, <laughs> just basically. Oh, uh, I will say uh, for picking up skateboards, there was a skateboarding club in high school. Like, and That's I cool. and I so like all of like I had like three friends, not all of my friends. I had three friends who were in that skateboarding club, and they would go to a specific like skate park. And I got the chance to take pictures of them when I was in your book. And that's some of like the best pictures I've ever taken in my life. And that your book is somewhere here. I don't know where. Otherwise, I would hold it up to the camera. But like it was really fun. And so I, I, I knew people who like picked it up. And they were good. They actually did legit things. Yeah. So kind of like as Kate was saying, this kind of includes the fashion, uh, music, which we'll obviously talk about later, and then culture. I mean, this includes, as once again, Kate already mentioned, uh, baggy pants, graffiti, um, stickers, um, carrying a damn boombox, basically the Chad Muska signature where he basically skated with a little mini boombox around. 
Um, I will say when it comes to create a uh, signature, uh, or create a signature, create a character. Obviously, I made my brand in doing this of basically nice baggy cargo shorts with a hoodie, and that's what I've been wearing for the past like twenty years. Um, it was already in there in place in the game, and I just basically it was easy to replicate. Um, Tony, one of the things that Tony Hawk has stated basically he's been most proud of the franchise is basically it represented the culture well from lifestyle, music, attitude, and actual skating, and it basically it taught a whole generation of kids what proper skating can be, and that's been like what he's said over the plenty of the years of like as much as the game been successful and all the stuff, but what it did outside of the game, and then kind of like to kind of go off to that point of like it kind of launched skateboarding into mainstream. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it launches, you know, right after the famous 900 by Tony Hawk. Um, it also changed kind of the way the perception of, like, what people thought of skaters. And they weren't just, like, basically like street punks that ran around and broke stuff. Except, apparently, Bam said, hey, I'm going to bring that back. Um, yes, he did. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, we get all the things of, you know, just people run around going skaters and stuff. They're just little punks and they do all this stuff and they break everything and do everything else. And this kind of, like, brought some legitimacy to actual... Not just skateboarding, but like pro skaters, X Games, and everything else. Um, yeah. Which kind of goes into the roster of like these, the skaters' careers. Um, basically, it helped a lot of these pro skaters within this game become essentially household names. And I don't think people realize, especially when it comes to like sports games, of like how much playing sports games and recognizing whether it be players, skaters, or whatever, that that like just, it's almost like a learning of skill of like, you're learning people and like what they do and how good they are and everything else. Unless it's NCAA and then you don't know who the <laughs> players are. Yeah, well, that's why you just download the rosters and then you know who they all are. Um, Elisa Streamer or Elisa Streamer was like my Mia Ham for Escape. Like it, it was like it had the same effect on me. She had the same effect on me in that way. Um, like her inclusion that it had that same effect as like seeing Mia Ham on stuff. Um. But yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, but no, it's cool because obviously they've been making. Um, they, they kind of did like behind the scenes, and they've been kind of making documentaries and everything of lately. Especially it's a kind of resurgent, not only just in skateboarding in general, but kind of like with the new game coming back out and everything else. Um, basically, they all kind of state how much this helps their career, and they talk about yeah. great like this popularity and everything. Kareem Campbell stated like basically he became like the most famous like <laughs> like because of this game and everything. And also the fun fact is they got paid. They actually made more money from this game and royalties in this franchise than they did playing being pro skaters. They got that's paid a hundred. They made a hundred and ninety k just off of Tony Hawk Pro Skater One, I believe. That's a lot for that time period. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're like, oh wow, a game cool. paying for likenesses. I like this. Good yeah. guy Tony Hawk remains good guy. Yeah, seriously. Uh, um, Tony Hawk has said multiple times over the years that Tony Hawk Pro Skater is basically the reason people actually know my name. <laughs> yeah. Not, not how famous I am, not how many medals I have, not the 900. Literally, Tony Hawk Pro Skater is the reason so many people know my name. Um, obviously, they just released the documentary, I think, like last month, Pretending I'm Superman, where he goes into more depth and they talk with some of the other skaters and they do everything else. Um, but the cool thing is, like, because we're now talking about, like, kind of with the new remastered and they kind of, like, updated the roster of the new generation and everything else. But it's crazy seeing some of the interviews of talking to some of these people. One, not only just the old roster coming back, but some of the new, you know, like the, yeah. the pros now of like how much they feel like it's an honor to be in this game. And then like they talk, almost talk about like we've talked about on the NCAA cover, you know, for college athletes of like that is my goal. And that's how they talk about it. Um, Tyson Jones, who was the 2018 Thrasher of the Year, basically like one of the best skaters we have, who's also in the game. He, he's literally stated that he learned a lot about skateboarding. And basically the reason he's here is 
from Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And that's just, like, actual, like, people out there skateboarding. And they've talked about it so much of, like, he just, just a whole generation of, like, he just talks about, like, growing up and seeing people that, you know, skateboarding was kind of frowned upon. And then, like, this game comes out and now parents kind of like, go skateboard. I don't care. It's great. Um, yeah. My brother, my brother skateboarded, like we kind of mentioned. You all skateboarded. My, my brother's dad attempted to skateboard and did a drop in and he, like, nearly broke his hip and said, I'm never skateboarding again. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> you know, we got parents out there. And that's why the, even the commercials you see with the old people out there just trying to do it, like, that's kind of what this game did. Yeah. I think one of the things that I remember um, most was so my, again, my, my cousin's boyfriend at the time, he had skate magazines and stuff, like the actual, like, pro skating magazines and i would get like the month after because he'd get a new one and then i would get the i'd get the other one where i would actually like i would save up and buy some of them and one of the cool things was i like skateboarding i mean skateboarding has never been like just white like it, it's been kind of diverse like the pros were pretty white and and all male with the exception of elisa streamer who was the very first one um but one of the cool things that i got to see like in real time was profiles on up and coming skaters and get to see the space diversify and like part of me thinks a lot of that has to do with the accessibility that skateboarding gained by being able to be in your house um like one of the ones that like actually really stuck out for me is Nigel houston because i remember when i had first started reading about him I, or when i had first started reading magazines and stuff like that he was in a feature when he was like 14 he was like the youngest pro or something like that and I watched, you know, the the intro video for the for the new roster for Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two, and Nigel Houston's in there, and it was one of those moments where I was like, I remember when this kid was a teen, when he was a kid, because we were pretty much the same age, and he's in here. And for me, there was something that like about the game, and we'll get into the roster, but like I always felt included in it. And it made me go, like, seek out other things, like the Lords of Dogtown. I didn't realize one of the dudes that literally made skateboarding famous is Tony Alva, and he's Mexican-American. Like, that's just really cool. And, like, I don't feel like I felt that with a lot of other things. Um, And obviously just the ability to pick up my own board, but that's, I don't know. I, I got, like really happy and excited and a little emotional watching the the video of all the people that are on the tony hawk uh pro skater one and two remaster roster like it it's so massive it's insane and it's so incredibly diverse that like it's just good guy tony hawk remains good guy <laughs> yeah yeah and and i mean i don't yeah like and i don't know like alex's perspective on this but I never thought that skating was also like very white because like my uncle that I used to hang out with and got me into games and like this kind of like punky kind of stuff is on the white side of my family. And he's a very like this, that, that that's a white man, but all of his friends that he hung out with and he was skating with were like Asian and like Mexican and, you know, yeah. black guys. Like it was a very diverse group of people that we were, I was surrounded with while he was skating. And I was kind of sitting there, yeah. you know, yeah. like, damn, like look at all these cool dudes doing all these tricks. So even yeah. like before I was super into the game, like I was already around kind of these dudes skating. So I'm glad that, that Tony Hawk brought that to like the forefront to show like other people who might not have that same experience. They're like, Hey, like this is mm -hmm. anyone, anyone can do a kickflip. Don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I, I grew up in a, a pretty white town, but not exclusively white. And so like, yeah, I did see a good number of white skaters, but I also saw Pacific Islanders and Asian skaters. And I saw black skaters and black punks and like, and you know, uh, Latinx skaters. And like, 
it was kind of just everybody. Like, and so yeah. I grew up with the impression that skateboarding is for everybody, which it is. Yeah. It was one of those things where, like, I feel like a lot of people have stories of, like, oh, you like this thing. This is a white thing to like. Like, why do you like that white people stuff? Like, I mean, I got that with a lot of sci-fi. Got that with, you know, anime every now and then. Um, but, like, I never got that with skateboarding. Like, ever. And mm-hmm. part of it probably has to do because it is rooted in punk, which is very against any sort of systemic oppression. <laughs> Yeah, but um, it was just one of those things that like was just really cool looking back on it um, because I don't I don't know like I don't know pro skater history like the back of my hand, but I do remember mm-hmm. watching the pro side slowly diversify in those magazines as more games came out, and that was something that was really cool. Yeah, it's funny because we talk about all this stuff of like knowing players and doing everything and obviously diversifying and everything else, but it's funny because. Like, I, obviously, I've seen all, like, um, you know, because I enjoyed all this stuff, like, I actually have gone to X Games. I, I got to see yeah. Bomb, Burn Quest do Big Air, and I knew who that was from these games. I, my Instagram picture from, like, eight years ago is literally Bussy Lassic. And the funny thing is he was doing rally cars, and he held the car together with duct tape to get silver. But at the end of the day, of like, I only knew him from the Tony Hawk games, and I was like, you're from Tony Hawk. And he's like, I'm doing rally car. I don't care. You're from Tony Hawk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and then, like, obviously I've seen Tyshawn Jones and Nigel Houston perform and a few of the other people that are in the rock, uh, you know, that are in the new game. Like, I've actually watched them skate in the X Games, and it's just great to see. And then, like I said, hearing them talk about how much the game you're growing up. And it's funny because even some of them are like, you know, I'm still I'm a little young, so the games were kind of, like, before me somewhat. But I remember hearing about them, and I remember my parent, you know, like either my parents or like my older brother telling me, like, this is great and amazing, and you should just try this out and whatnot else. And obviously, between the punk and uh, rock genres, like, it's basically anti, you know, a lot of things. And so I never got the whole <laughs> stuff either, um, which we'll kind of talk about in the music in general and everything, which kind of moves into the roster of everything, of like the original roster. Uh, obviously, I'll probably go with the original roster, and then they obviously add a few core key people and uh kind of i won't really talk about some of the new players just because we kind of time wise but obviously the original roster of basically tony hawk obviously uh rune uh glyphberg who is by far the goat of the entire tony hawk series and i even linked an entire article that's written about how great he is and how it doesn't matter what you think he's the best tony hawk pro skater um and then you have kareem campbell who's actually my other player because um i basically played with two people rune group uh, Glyphberg for the vert, and then Kareem Campbell for street stuff, and that's all I played. Wait, so are they only the best because you say that they are the best, or they're like yeah. statistically the best? So Rune Glyphberg is the best vert skater, I believe, statistically in the game. He's also just the okay. best player and all has right. the best moves. Um, Kareem Campbell was obviously just my favorite pick for the second one. Um, well, Bam Margera not on that list. He doesn't actually come in. He's not part of the original roster, actually. <laughs> yeah. He's actually not part of the original roster. Um, then we have Lessa Steamer. Um, Bob Burnquist, Jeff O'Reilly, Bucky Lassick, Chad Muska, and then Andrew Reynolds and Jamie Thompson. Um, the f- weird thing is, obviously, these are uh, funny thing is like basically Glyphberg, Campbell, Steamer, Lassick, and then Thompson are actually in the first like the claim games that we mention all the time, and they actually leave the series and they're never seen again until one and two again. So even they yeah. knew the stuff was going downhill, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get to, like, basically when you get to, like, three and four and stuff, they add basically Rodney Mullen, Eric Costin, uh, b- Bam, um, 
Mike Va- Valerie or whatever. I think he's from Mikey like Mo- Mike Mike Valley. Yeah, yeah, I believe he's from like Motorhead. Of, of, of yeah, yeah, he's like actually a Motorhead. And then obviously Kate's favorite of Steve Caballero. Caballero, yeah. No, it was really cool because when Steve came in, I got to play as a, uh, as a Latino. Like that was really really cool for me. Like I'd, it, it's one of those things where like yeah, like I'm I, I also loved playing as Mike Valley. Um, I played him a lot uh, just because he was he was like this angry dude. Um, but Steve Caballero was one of those things where it was like, it, I got like the same feeling that I got when I played Alyssa Steamer. Like, it was just really cool to see ourselves be a part of that narrative. Um, and I, I don't know, it was just really awesome. And I thought he was great, although I couldn't land a lot of his moves. I, it was one of those things where I played a skater that I really had no business playing because I had a hard time landing his, his actual specials, but it was, it was fun. So then I would just revert to Mike Valley because that was, <laughs> that was the one I could play um but i don't know it, it was because i i know like reading these names like it is a predominant it, it, it is like it does skew like heavily white but i i think that like a lot of that was just of the time um and i think that like moving forward especially with the new roster which like uh for for one and two like that thing is hella diverse um which i think is is is, is just really cool um, which going back, because I'm sure they'll make the opening video available somewhere for you to watch, but like for the older sk- skaters, they do this thing where they actually show picture, they show them skating, not just like in their prime, but they actually have like clips of them skating as old people. And it's really cool. And so, and they use pictures of them now. Um, and Steve Cabrera is, is actually really cool. Yeah. They uh, rescanned all the, the nice. older uh, skaters. Um, I don't know if you all had any favorite. Obviously, mine was Rune Giffberg. I love the crack there and the kickflip McFist specials. Um, obviously, Kareen Campbell with the, the ghetto bird flip, which was great. And then, basically, I liked their specials. I was good with them. That's who I used. That's all I used, unless I was forced to multiplayer to use somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I used Bucky a lot, but I couldn't tell you why. Like, as a kid, I haven't played him as an adult. Is it because you're really Steve Rogers? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't, it could be, could be that I was drawn to that, uh, but yeah, no, I, and also just playing as Tony Hawk because, like, why wouldn't you want to be Tony Hawk? Yeah, because he runs goofy, and I could not run on the goofy stance, and it bugged me. As a left-handed person, like, all the more reason to play as Tony Hawk. I know that's what's the weird part. I couldn't do it for some reason. Um, I just it, it bugged me. I thought I, I tried to play Tony Hawk because I'm like left-handed, we can do this, and then I realized I don't like this. Um, yeah, what I don't like is playing as anyone who mongos. Oh yeah. It it looks so unnatural. Yeah, I played a lot of Chad Muscatus because I like the boombox. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't playing as like one of like the unlockable characters or something like that, I was playing as Chad Muscatus. <laughs> that, that was, I, I, I had the biggest crush on Andrew Reynolds. <laughs> that was that's why I liked Andrew Reynolds. Never played as him, liked looking at him. Yeah. Um, I, as speaking of the unlockable characters, I'm only going to name a few of them because they've been uh, there's been a ton of them over the years. So I'm only name a few. Um, basically, spi- uh, just name a few: Spider-Man, Boba Fett, Darth Maul, Wolverine, Doom Guy, um, obvious Officer Dick. Um, okay, I was like, you have to have that one in there. I mean, I, I know that obviously, that like that's a real, you know, yeah. ACAB. But uh, realistically, like that was the first and only unlockable in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one. Um, I think there was one other. I don't know if he was the only. I'm pretty sure he might have been the only one. I think there was another one. If you used a cheat code, you could unlock somebody, but I can't remember. Oh, that it. might be. There was one that. Yeah, there was one that you could do through a code, but he was the only one that you unlocked through gameplay. Yes, that is correct. 
Um, I personally love playing with Spider-Man. Obviously, I love Spider-Man, but also the way they incorporated Spider-Man's powers into the stuff in the specials. Like, he used it, he would throw his board and shoot it with webs oh, yeah. and bring it back to him. And it was just great and awesome. Didn't Wolverine just, like, punch his board and, like, spear it? Yeah. They, I think was one of his moves. Like, just dumb, goofy stuff like that. But it was great. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why, actually, the unlockable characters were great, because they incorporated their actual, you know, character into, like, their moves and everything else. I don't know. If yeah, I, I play a lot. I play a lot of Spider Man. Like I almost exclusively play the Spider Man. Um, and I'm also gonna like mention this just because Star Wars Twitter is crazy and a lot of listeners come from there. But it was Django Fett, not Boba Fett. Oh my bad. Uh, Whatever. But just I, like, look, I'm just you know just covering our bases, covering our bases. But yeah, I played a lot as Spider Man. Um, and then like on the very like small chant like opportunities that I got to play Iron Man in the third one when I used to play at my uncle's house, I played as Iron Man because like it's just cool jumping off big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you had a favorite unlockable, Kate. Django Fat. There you go. Um, <laughs> which kind of moves into the... So from all the roster and all this other stuff, kind of moves into probably the last biggest but why, though, and probably the most thing is essentially the music. Um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater is renowned for his music. Um, it's even been stated by some of the people and the creators and producers of basically uh, Kevin Overbay, basically the producer of like the reboot of going... Anyone who knows the game knows the music is just as important and just as important as the gameplay. And it's kind of funny because I looked up some of the quotes because obviously we would talk more music, but like one of the creators of the original game, uh, Joel Jett, basically is quoted at the video games at the time. They all had orchestra music, and we were just like, "Fuck, man, we can just pick awesome rock and roll. This is cool shit." So we just spent a ton of money on licensing licensing it and stuck it in the game. That was their philosophy of why they yeah. have all those mu- all the music in there. <laughs> um, I'm into it. Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, that's great!" And then obviously, like I said, this music ends up introducing an entire generation to basically punk rock, ska, and hip hop. Um, I mean, obviously the punk rock was there. I don't think people realize how much uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two is actually has a ton of hip hop in. That's yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say basically, like I said, it influences basically the taste in music, energy, and introduces basically tons of old bands that to new audiences and basically just new people to new bands fun fact i know about johnny cash because of ring of fire because of tony hawk soundtrack um that's kind of cool <laughs> but also cool. uh my biggest music because my dad was a huge punk and so like he has like the clash and the cramps like he has all of those like actual like vinyls and everything <laughs> Um, but, like, one of the things that Tony Hawk did was it made me be able to get, like, music literacy that would make, like, I could speak my dad's language in music because uh, the cramps, the Sex Pistols, the Clash, all of that stuff was something that was, like, it, it put us, like, on the same plane and it gave, and the Beastie Boys, like, all of that, it, like, made me understand what my dad loved. And it helped him understand me, too. And then also, the amount of hip-hop bands that I would have never heard of, including Cut Chemist, and, like, that, like, I would have never learned about them if it wasn't for Tony Hawk. Oh, um, I, I mean, I can for sure say that probably influencing my music and what I listen to, even to probably today, is probably from these games. Like, I burned oh yeah. literally D- CDs at the time, you know, back in, for the uh, young folks, you had to burn a CD to get, like, yeah. your mixtapes. And stuff, and so oh, and ska, Goldfinger. I would have never yes. known what ska was saying. if like, it wasn't for yeah. yeah. For but that. Like I, said, I literally burned just Tony Hawk's soundtrack CDs 
and I just basically said one and two are the CD, three and four are the CD. And like I said, it's funny because it even continues. Much as we talk about one and two, that'll probably be the focal point. Like even like I said, up to American Wasteland, the game may suck, but the soundtrack is still great. Yeah. Um, Rage Against the Machine. I also. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> so like we get Rage Against the Machine, Dead Kennedys, um, Goldfinger. Obviously, I'm Superman. Yeah. Basically, it's become so iconic. I mean, they basically can make a case that that song literally in this game makes who they are. And it also might be that. the most famous. The documentary is literally called, like, yeah. based on yeah. that. Yeah. Like, also, it's... Matt was listening, while he was writing the notes for these, he was listening to the soundtracks. And when uh, Superman came on, I made him turn up his surround sound so that I could hear it in my office. Yeah, um, I get that. He even, he even restarted it for, restarted the song for me when I requested it. Cause... But it's just funny because, like, the Superman thing, it might be the most famous song in video game history, from what some people say. Like, yeah. it, like especially when it comes, like, if you hear that song, you know where it's from and you know what it is. <laughs> like, yeah. We talk about like Final Fantasy and the music and we get all that and we know it's nice, but like the songs that we get here from actual like bands and everything, like you said, not yeah. just orchestra music, is a fantastic. It's um, how I found Dead Kennedys and Bad Religion. And yeah. it's also how yeah. I realized like what Anthrax was too. Like I like I don't think I would have had a robust knowledge of, of punk and rock if it wasn't for this game. Yeah, I mean, that, my dad, yeah. yes, but I feel like I probably would have rebelled a little bit and, like, not wanted to listen to that stuff to just, mm-hmm. like, be that way. But, like, I went the other way once I heard it. Yeah, because, I mean, basically, Bad Religion has stated that Tony Hawk Pro Skater made them famous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he literally the song You that's in there. Um, obviously, we get, I mean, we've mentioned some of them, but, like, Green Day, Offspring, Dead Kennedys, Primus. Sublime! Mo- Sublime. Even oh, Motorhead. Yeah. yeah. Motorhead. The suicide Machines. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. Motor. A lot. Um even Motorhead has even talked about like Tony Hawk Pro Skater like reviving their uh, their fan base because as they yeah. were aging because they're obviously like an older band and they said once this came out and we were in the games all of a sudden we had all these young fans that were like 18, 19, 20 like yeah we're at a rock metal concert and they're like who are you but this is great I will say this <laughs> Hot Topic made a lot of money off of folks with those vintage band tees and yep. I say that as somebody who worked at Hot Topic and not only sold them but took full advantage of my 40% off uh, <laughs> discount to buy a bunch of old things the doors like I like I just I, I don't know I mean we get a revival and like I said punk rock um, My Chemical Romance, uh, MCR, has actually yeah. stated that they would not even be a band if it weren't for Tony Hawk Pro I feel like it has to be the same thing with Good Charlotte, too. Yeah, I don't even know, but like mm-hmm. I said, we get a bunch of bands. Obviously, facts. I didn't list all of them, but like there is a bunch of bands that come later that literally basically say Tony Hawk Pro Skater not only just made us a band, but gave us like even just promoted us to become a like a renowned or have any type of famous yeah. band. Mm-hmm. Alex, who do you got here? Because I know you have kind of been like Kate, between Kate and I talking about all the bands. I'm very excited. No, I mean, mean, like you were saying, like, this was my my introduction to ska and to, like, punk that wasn't on the radio. Like, this is how I learned about so much music beyond what I was just hearing from my day-to-day. Like, my parents didn't really give me the dial in the car, so my exposure was a little bit limited. Um, And this was just, like, a way to kind of blow that wide open and get introduced to all these other genres. Um, And then to, you know, like, go on and, like, in high school playing in a band and, like, I don't know that I would have necessarily had the drive to do that if I hadn't been introduced to music through this through these games. Um, yeah, I, and I honestly like it's just a killer soundtrack. Like you turn the game on, and there are times where I'm like, I'm not doing great this run. I need to restart, but I don't want to stop listening to this song. Accurate. Or you have yeah. to set the correct song up for the actual. Yes. Although yes. W- where it fell apart for me was in with uh, Xbox introducing the ability to put music on your console. Yeah. 
it, yeah. like the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 soundtrack, I don't know that I could tell you what it was because I just listened to what we had loaded onto the Xbox. So um, I, I never did that. I never loaded anything. I did. Um, it was a pain, honestly. It wasn't worth it. Yeah, it, yeah, it was It was definitely a pain. Um, A3, did you get the van too? All I've learned from this episode is Alex joined a band and became a skater. Tried to become a skater. Um, did not do well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I know I've said it like a bunch of times before, but like the only like real entrances of this world is Tony Hawk Pro Skater and like my uncle. And he, my uncle's like a big, even to this day, like when we go, because he was the one that um, Stefani stayed with him when she was doing her internship this summer. Like, they're big punk people. Like, all we listen to is punk music. I watched, like, my, you know, little cousin bro- run around in, like, a little mini mosh pit, like, by himself, listening to, um, like, Less Than Jake and stuff. And when I wasn't with him, my family didn't listen to, you know, ska or just, you know, general punk music. So my, you know, when I would go back and hang out with my uncle, I'd be like, hey, you know, I know the words of this song kind of thing. And like looking at the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, before we recorded, I talked about, I didn't know if I wanted to go out and pay, you know, X amount of money for this. But looking at the soundtrack for this, like this has, you know, A Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. Uh, it just has like everyone that I would listen to, you know, less than Jake, real big fish. Like all the ska bands that are literally still on my playlist today are on this thing. And I can do that while playing Tony Hawk pro skater one and two that really, you know, didn't have as many, I mean, had punk bands, but like not as many as I listen to now mm-hmm. is super exciting. Like my, I, I'm still a big person to ska and, and, and punk to this day. So, you know, and it's because of Tony Hawk pro skater two and that kind of like Avenue and that genre of, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, obviously and we get the I, punk rock, but like the fact that people like forget about the other like hip hop and ska and everything. That I was about there. to say. Also, like Del the Funky Homo Sapien, I would have had yeah. no idea who he was without Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three. And like, also, even with the punk and hip hop outside of that, there's a band called Osomatli, which that's is also in there. Like, exactly. This that's how I found out who Osomatli was, and I got to go see them live at ACL one year, and it was one of the best experiences because like I learned who they were through this game. And they're a band that uses Spanish and English and hip hop and like actual like uh like Latin American sounds and they combined it all. Um and I learned about them from frickin' Tony Hawk. Um and then even like Aesop Rock, like I found him from Tony Hawk too. Yeah, it is like I said, it's a amazing soundtrack. It always says Red Man was on it too, right? Um, I think maybe in the, I think four, maybe if I'm correct, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think so. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, which and is kind of soul was there. Yes, which kind of funny because we talk about we kind of mentioned earlier about like punk rock music and kind of the themes of punk rock music. This was not um, it brought stuff to the mainstream, but also it wasn't without necessarily controversy in general. Of which is kind of weird when today's age, if people are confused, that Rage Against the Machine actually says, uh, basically, we don't like the police. Um, if you apparently never listened to any of their music. Same with, basically, Dead Kennedys and Police Truck, which is by far my favorite song in all of the entire soundtracks. And apparently the most, as much as Superman basically defines the game, Police Truck ends up being like the probably the song that ends up getting used the most, especially as we move forward, I guess just in life in general, of... This song was very controversial because obviously it's basically an anti-police, anti-capitalism, and basically fuck police brutality basically brought some more mainstream of this entire yeah. theme of the song. And basically, if you've ever listened to Dead Kennedys or any of the bands in general, but the funny thing outside of this controversy, people like getting this mainstream is 
Dead Kennedy fans were actually mad because it was included because they felt the band became sellouts and they abandoned their anti-corporate beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> I I just want everybody to remember, not only was it people being surprised that like Rage Against the Machine was political and <laughs> is against police and Republicans, but also I want everybody to remember that Tony Hawk said fuck the police a very long time ago. And it is not yeah. a new thing. And you shouldn't have been surprised when he said it recently. <laughs> if you ever listened to any of these soundtracks, I don't know what you thought you were listening to. Yeah. yeah I was going to say this too. I know, I know you brought like the Goldfinger thing. And that, that was like a, just a song that I knew like on my, my uncle's like, mm-hmm. you know, burn CDs, but he never had police truck like dead Kennedy. I think I heard police dead Kennedy. I think I heard that song in Tony Hawk pro skater too. So when I think of Tony Hawk pro skater, I think of police truck dead Kennedy's. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me. Yep. It might be. All I know is, this is probably my, my far, and I'll tell you, the funny thing, if Neversoft obviously takes the song, it goes in Guitar Hero, and it's just as fun. Um, <laughs> but it is funny when you listen, like I said, obviously we did recent stuff, of just like how much people, because as much we talk about Racing Machine, they don't have some of, not that yeah. they music aren't, they don't have some of their more like overt Because that's what, songs. they just have Gorilla Radio. Yeah, Gorilla Radio, which obviously still yeah. has its own themes, but it's definitely yeah. not as overt as, um, you know, like... <laughs> Uh, in the name of and stuff and everything um but police uh, police truck is by far the most overt song i mean maybe not the most but like the most renowned revert song out of all these songs or these uh soundtracks yeah i think that i think that that was also one of the reasons that like even i think i think there were two reasons why i felt really included in um or let me there are two reasons why in my head i think I remember the roster being more diverse than it actually was. Like, that was something my brain made Mm -hmm. up. But it was because, like, there was a through line for the culture that it represented that, like, very much let it, like, it wasn't just white dudes on skateboards. Like, it was, it was, it was literally representative of the type of music, like, so many different types of people made. It was representative of different types of, like, cultures and identity within skating that were, like, pivotal to making it a big thing. And then, like, on top of that, like, once they entered, like, the making your own character, like, it just felt like I belonged there. And that's something that I think is really powerful for a game to do from both Mm -hmm. play style and soundtrack. Because it would have been real easy to just leave off all that hip-hop and just do, like, what what the stereotypical skateboarder is, right? Like, the fact that they included such a wide range of like what the people who skate look like and like listen to and are that to me is really cool. And I never had a problem with skin color, which is my biggest complaint with a lot of create uh, with character creations that they, yeah. they give you so that few gonna, skin color options. Yeah. That was going to be my question, Kate, uh, because we're pretty, you know, similar in skin color. We're both pretty, pretty dark when it comes to like the, <laughs> You know, genre of you know, Chicana Hispanic. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, like, as you're talking, like, I think this is like the first game I played outside of like an MMO that obviously has much more resources. But I got to make someone who looked at least yes. relatively similar to me in a video game outside of MMOs at the time. Oh, 100 percent. And so, I something that I have to mention here is Sunset Overdrive, um, because Sunset Overdrive's entire gameplay is Tony Hawk and it's why it's, it was actually the first game Matt ever bought me and it made me so happy. And I beat it all in like two sittings. Cause I just wouldn't stop playing it. Um, but a lot of the mechanics are very similar to Tony Hawk mechanics and the character creation is like extremely robust in the same way Tony Hawk's was. 
And it's crazy because Adrian, I now that I'm actually thinking about it, you're right. Like I think that there were there are very few games outside of MMOs where I had even now the ability to make somebody who actually looked like me and actually had a skin tone like mine. Like that yeah. that's something that I think gets really understated when you think about like character creation because like they'll throw yeah, in so dude, many cause... things, but like okay, I can be pink white or super dark where is just like I, like i can't even be tan like give me a tan maybe um or like a brown like an actual brown um like they they usually don't even do that and then some games even just do like pink white slightly tanned that's all you get you don't yeah. even get any of the brown skin um yeah because and... i'm thinking about even in like nice little republic is which one of my favorite rpgs ever and their character creation is like a white dude an asian guy and a brown guy and if you're the brown guy, you either get, like, a big fro or you get a buzz cut or you get cornrows. Like, that is, like, yeah. your fucking options, right? Um, and I have better credit creation, better credit character creation in Tony Hawk Underground and, like, that this genre than I did in even my favorite RPGs growing up. Yeah. And that's crazy. Alex, how much did you put into the music of creating your character? Um, I feel like I didn't have to put in like a ton of effort if I wanted to make it look like me. Cause Matt, you and I look like default characters. I know. I threw <laughs> some, I threw, well, like I said, when you throw on a hoodie and you throw on cargo shorts, those were like the default clothes. I didn't even have to buy anything. I would have had so much money. Yeah. I, I feel like more what I did with a character creator. And again, this just speaks to like the issue of character creators and privilege was like my brother and I, or my sister and I would like make up characters and like pick their move sets and design what they look like and how they dress. And like for us, it wasn't really like, let's dress ourselves up as skaters. It was like, let's just make a character. Like, let's just do something like way outside uh, of our experiences or like, you know, just like it, it was a toy to play with rather than like, oh my gosh, a chance to see myself on screen. Honorable mention, Def Jam, Fight for New York. I also got to look like myself, <laughs> which is, you know, um, different kind of genre of uh, sports game. But. Yeah. So, obviously, that's about all I have because, I mean, obviously, it did a lot. But, I mean, the music and thing is probably the biggest but why, though, of all of this outside of, like, the influence of just, like, how much we've all talked about, whether it be you got on a skateboard, you had a brand, or, you know, you put on some clothing. Like, my entire also, probably outfit, wardrobe is probably defined by this, and we're good. You had a lot of Ocom when we met. Oh, I know. I have. <laughs> um, no, also, I was going to say, like, thinking about Sunset Overdrive, like, that game, I, it was a Tony Hawk game, actually. Like, I don't think that that game or those, like, those devs make that game without Tony Hawk as a foundation. And if you don't believe so, you can at me and we can talk about it. But like down to like it, it down to the soundtrack being like highly multicultural representative and just the mechanics of the game itself. Like, I don't know. Are we are we in final thoughts now? We're probably in fun facts and then we can go fun to facts. Final okay. So let me get some fun facts for everybody and then we'll get to final thoughts. Um, one fun first fun fact. This game was originally started out to be a racing game. As I said, it was inspired by Top Skater, and apparently Crazy they, want, Taxi. I was they want to be they want to be a racing game. <laughs> um, 
Next one, Activision uh, wasn't Tony Hawk's first choice. He originally went to Mid uh, Midway, which no longer exists. Maybe they should have uh, done something. Um, but liked what Activision was doing more and had more say in the creation. Because um, I know yeah. we hadn't really touched on it a little bit, and I meant to kind of like you talked about it. But Tony Hawk overall, maybe I don't know about the last one per se, but I know for the first like five games, and especially this remaster, has basically been with step for step and basically his hand all over these games. So like whether it be the you know the motion cap, how they move, the music, yeah. everything, all come from basically Tony Hawk. And like he's like I said quoted earlier, like his proudest thing of this entire franchise is how it represented skating culture as a whole. Um, obviously we've mentioned it multiple times. Tony Hawk lands his first nine hundred, you know, just months before the game ends out. Um, Activision actually offered Tony Hawk a one time five hundred thousand dollar buyout cost for helping with the game, and they were just going to pay him a one time flat fee. And Tony Hawk was, like, blown out of his mind. This is the most money he's ever seen. And he said, no, I need some royalties. And uh, that George Lucas the school? O- the <laughs> yes. only, one of the only smart creators that we have on any of the episodes that, we, <laughs> that yeah. we've and, covered. And uh, obviously, he's now worth $140 million. Good um, lord. As, as he said, uh, I've done a lot of skating and done a lot, but Tony Hawk Pro Skater bought my house. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater uh, released in er- Europe and Australia under the name Tony Hawk Pro Skateboarding. Due to the word skater, b- w- uh, they were worried about the word skater misleading them to believe the game was about ice skating. Um, okay, <laughs> but, but where is Chrissy Yamaguchi's Pro Skater? I don't know, right? <laughs> I'll, pl- I'll play it. I kind of want that. The character creation in that would be amazing. You, yeah. get, you get to All like come outfits? up with routines and it scores you. Yeah, why is this not a game? And make Yuri on Ice a downloadable content? Yeah. I'm here yeah. for it. Um, I put this one in for Kate. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, the Korean version, had their unlockable characters were the all-female K-pop band of Finn K. Yes! Okay, so how long until K-pop stands campaign for like BTS <laughs> and BTS Put BTS in the game. Let's do it, Tony. For all I know, they're going to be in the Korean version again, for all we know. No, I want them I in our version. I want no, them in no, our... Yes, I bad. want to... I will pay $5 to play them. We got Spider-Man. They got I, Finn K.O. I feel like you would pay way more than $5 to play. I would, actually. I will pay 5 per person, and you have to let me change their hair colors, and I would be good, because they have so many different hair colors. Namjoon's yeah. no longer blue-haired, and it makes yeah. me sad. Um... um. The last fun fact would be goats. Apparently, starting in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4, the appearance of goats happened. Yes. And then they just basically continued to make it have appearance of goats all the way through Proving Grounds. Yes. That's goats. a choice. That is a choice. Um, but that is all I have. Uh, I guess final thoughts here before we get out of here. Hold on. I have one. I know I'm not allowed to go first. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Um, I think Tony Hawk Pro Skater is like a big thing in my life mainly because it gave me a big connection with uh, my uncle outside of just us playing MMOs together like it gave us a common thing to talk about and even if I wasn't like a big skateboarder and I didn't really get into like the fashion just because I didn't feel like it really fit me um, it was a big part of that that got me into like other games like this like Jet Set Radio and Sunset Overdrive like Kate talked about um, I lo- I enjoy playing those games because of what Tony Hawk Pro Skater does and like it feels like I, I I I understand that the uh what is it, like the arcade game was first, but like this is just better, just in the kind of like every um which way it's diverse. The music is mm-hmm. great, and I am I feel like Matt just made me pay sixty dollars. Like I feel like he took sixty dollars out of me during throughout <laughs> this episode because now I want to go buy the game when I was gonna put it off and wait until like a you know holiday sale because I'm so excited to go play the game and listen to the soundtrack and kind of 
relive those memories like vicariously through the game. Yeah. Awesome. Um, hey. for me, I think like I said, like I always felt represented in Tony Hawk, and I, I like I, I think I've listed some reasons why, but like it's still one of those weird things that it just clicked with me. Um, and I, I really want to take time for my final thought to just like you know, getting to start playing you know, the remaster and like knowing how much care Tony Hawk put in, not only to like he could have easily said, We're making this skater for skater from one and two and that's it. But because he cares so much about it representing the culture, he did what he could to make this remaster literally include everybody and be a more inclusive and diverse game. And one, good guy Tony Hawk is good, but it's also the fact that like I think that like this for me, just watching that intro and like learning that like Tony Hawk literally re well one, Tony Hawk has the authority to rename escape move. I just want everybody to know that. But like he literally renamed the the mute grab into the Weddle grab because mm -hmm. after like going into the origins, he asked the actual person who created it and he said I'm deaf, not mute. And he was like, oh, yeah, this name is awful, and I'm sorry, and and changed it. And he changed it in the game, too. And it's one of those things where, like, I think that a lot of people, when it comes to updating games, or, uh, like, can take note that, like, you can update it and keep the th and remaster it in a way that makes things stay the same while also adding things to it that are more representative of the culture and the people not only who are playing it but of the culture that it's representing and in here it's skate culture and i think that like there's like thinking back and looking at that list of songs and listening to everybody talk i feel like there's always been uh like the diversity of the skate community has always been represented and i even think down to like the clothes that were included that you could get like the types of streetwear brands and everything like that was stuff that like I saw um all all folks wearing. Um and hip hop streetwear is very different than like skating streetwear and then seeing those two things come together. So like for me, I think that there's like it can't be overstated enough like how inclusive the game is. Um because I mean we've talked about how amazing it is for like mechanics and everything else like that. But I think for me, like that's just something that I that that's my final thought. Um and just like Tony Hawk's just a good guy, guys. Like I will protect him at all costs because he deserves to be protected. Is this where oh. we talk about the race war? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about the race war. How did we forget? The Tony Hawk race war meme is one of my favorite things. That is, it a, is one, of one, the best one of the best memes in existence. Um, obviously, Alex would go last, but for me, it was funny because we talk about all this stuff. I played this in probably one of my most favorite franchises. I don't talk about it a lot. You probably never heard it through. Probably, I mean, people that know me maybe know I played it and then whatever. But I guess I don't talk about it because we had, like, obviously 15 years really since we've had a good game, per se. But then when I was doing these notes of just, like, and everything written out and doing everything, and just look back of, like, if there is probably, like, one franchise that probably influenced me the most in a lot of stuff I did, and, like, basically whether it be music or even, like, how I dress and everything, or even probably even the extent of, you know, uh, fuck the police or something, you know? It's probably been... I've already said it, like, multiple times. So I can do it anyways. Um, it's probably been Tony Hawk. And, like, it's weird because I never skateboarded and I never mm -hmm. did any of that stuff. But as far as, like, playing these games and playing everything, like, it is – it's just been a lot of part of my life. And it's funny just like it. And 
I mentioned before, like I didn't never stopped. I've always enjoyed my first character. You know, my name, my first character, my gamer tag after the company, and just between them and Guitar Hero, like there may be you know it in my path, but like how much I played or known or took and taken from just these games alone. And then, like I said, researching and seeing how many other people, whether it's just small introduction to bands, you know, just wearing types of clothes, brands of clothes, and how much that impact of just, like, or even, like I said, an entire sport. I don't think I go to X Games ever without playing Tony Hawk. I definitely don't, I might wear cargo shorts, but I definitely don't, like, basically wear what I wear now, or definitely some of the music, because, like, I still listen to Dead Kennedys pretty regularly. Same with Rage Against the Machine. And a lot of the other hip um, bands that we have. Um, I never got the shoe thing, I'm sorry. I always have to have a nice, comfortable run shoe. But just the amount of, like, how much I've enjoyed this game and then seeing it come back and then just, like, how they've actually put time and thought, as Kate had called, mentioned into her thing of, like, and caring about the game and the franchise again and the actual, like, skating culture stuff has been great. And obviously I've already played some of the game already. I've had a great time uh, playing it so far. I mean, is it anything relatively new? Probably not, but the music's still great. The mechanics are still fun, and it looks amazing. And so, yeah. I like it. I will say before Alex goes, I will include an image of the pink and black audio that audios that I had uh, because they were dope, and they made my, they made my feet <laughs> look cool. And that was also, so that was actually the first piece of clothing that made me admit that pink wasn't a, a, a girly color. Um, and that's where I started liking pink because I was against pink until Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk nice. made me embrace my feminine side. All right. What you got for us, Alex? Take us away. <laughs> All right. I'll do my best. Cause yeah, I going into this episode, I wasn't sure what I would have to say as like a final thoughts or why Tony Hawk matters. Um, and even as we got closer to the end, I was like, I'm still not entirely sure what it is. Uh, but I think Tony Hawk's pro skater and, and Tony Hawk matters because people matter. And when I look at these games and Tony Hawk as a person and his career, um, it's it's people. It is a celebratory culture. It is a diverse culture. It is something that opens the world up to people, introduces them to new music, new uh, ideologies by way of that. It, uh, it took a whole generation of people who spent their time skating and who were told, you know, this is worthless, this goes nowhere, and it validated everything they'd been doing. Um, it gave people a new hobby, a new thing to do. It built community by way of that. Um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and, and Tony Hawk is a movement for the people more than anything, I think. Like, yes, it is just a video game, but the impact that it had on people, um, gamers, skaters, um, just everybody, just it's undeniable that this was like a force for good in the world, as weird as that sounds. Like, this is, yeah, it's just something really beautiful and special and I am grateful that it was something that was a part of my childhood and that is now going to be a part of my adulthood. Um, but yeah, Tony Hawk matters because people matter. Awesome. You know, I thought that all three of us had like really good final thoughts that like finally, I know. Like, collectively, <laughs> we would have like a better final thought than Alex. And it's just never going to happen. No, you, got, you guys everything. heavily inspired that. It's I didn't even think to happen. touch on like the representation part of it because that was a huge thing in me forming that thought that as you guys talked about it. I didn't know that it was a thing until it. we started talking. To be honest, I didn't think it was a thing until I looked on the internet. And obviously, <laughs> the internet uh, tells you a lot of weird things. Well, no, but it's not because like, but, but like, 
The important thing to me that I don't understand is that that roster that you could play as is extremely white. And yet there was never a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, this is a white thing. I was just always like, nah, this is a me thing. I fit here. Yeah. Which is something is that, like, pixels? Does... <laughs> <How much laughs> <is it> pixels? <laughs> the polygons. Um, but, like, there are other games where I felt that. And so I don't, yeah. like, there's, like, a disconnect between, like, the whiteness of the roster and, like, the fact that I found mm -hmm. a home in it, which just doesn't, like, it doesn't compute in my brain. And I, I don't sure. know what that is. I think having to make your own character because like once I made my that's own character, that's probably I what play it like is. Else. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably that's probably. <laughs> well, I, I think one thing though that's worth noting is like the characters who who weren't just white dudes in the game. Like I at least for me, like I never felt like they were like tokenized. It was like, oh, this is yeah. just another skater. Like it was just presented yeah. as like here's another person from our community, and I was like, all right, cool. That so that is actually something that I will say is really cool is the fact that like. Because in create a character or like even in customization, like in, in picking up clothing throughout a game, a lot of female characters are just resigned to like really feminine things. And then like, so like I know I said that they're like you kind of had either or in the creation pieces, but like the fact that I could put on guy clothes is mm -hmm. actually a really big thing. And I know a lot of that comes from Alyssa Steamer being included in that and being a voice in that. Um, so like, yes, you had two spectrums that you could choose from, but the fact that I could make a female character that did dress in masculine clo clothes and not something that was like, those are boy pants, but here's your hips. But like actual, like masculine clothes mm -hmm. was, is also something that was really cool. That like, is so cool. I guess, yeah, I guess for me, like I said, uh, besides being able to choose your set of clothes you like, I mean, it represented clothes. I mean, a variety of clothes. I mean, the music and we talk about just how important the music is. The music pretty damn diverse. And yeah. so when you look at the diverse music of what you're playing, and then, like, even, like I said, even to the extent of the themes of the music, I mean, people choose the music they want, and they know what they're putting in there. So yeah. at no time, you, you know what you're getting into, and probably, it may not be everybody in there, but it's probably, like, you know the people that are probably in there and what they're like. But yeah. yeah. But anyways, we, okay. we are way past time. I know, Adrian. <laughs> I <laughs> I didn't know we'd have this much to say about time. I'm, I'm I really, gonna be I didn't either, but I'm really happy we did. I knew it was going to be long. I didn't know it was going to be this long. No, this is like a I'm, good warm I'm fuzzy gonna, episode for me. Yeah, I'm going to tag Tony Hawk in this when I post it, and I hope he I hope he looks at it. Like, me too. I want him to hear all the nice things we have to say about him. I'm not going to tag Bam Margera. I don't want that man within... Oh, he's no, he's not well lately. Me. I don't know if you've seen anything. I wouldn't he, do it. I haven't. He's also just an awful human. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he was having like a mental sucks. breakdown on Instagram or something. Oh, yeah, no. no. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Okay, let's get us out of here. We've been okay. a long time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so uh, thank you, Alex, for coming on and having this. You know what? It's a wholesome episode. Those are the two things we have <laughs> Alex on for, wholesome and spooky. So this was wholesome. Either someone's uh, getting uh, uplifted or murdered, and that's yes. why I'm here. <laughs> Or uplifted as they're being. <laughs> when a wholesome slasher comes out, I will I will be on. <laughs> um, so Alex, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at most always Alex. I'm on Friday.com doing genre and horror news and reviews, and I have a video game podcast that will I think be talking about Tony Hawk very soon called Game Boys. I'm pretty sure that's our episode next week. Um, and then also, yeah, I'll be on Xbox One at Vanny Vedito, and I will be playing Tony Hawk as much as possible for, like, the next month. Yes. Yeah. And as always, if you want to support the podcast a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythoughpc and follow us on all of our social media at butwhythoughpc. 
And you can find me at oh my myth Randier and be on Twitter and because Matt signs off with his funny thing, Matt will be reviewing the game for butwhythopodcast.com so you can see his review, uh, which I'm sure will be very loving because, you know, he loves things very hard uh, there when that goes up. Uh, Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Matt? Escape just for edgelords, and I still don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. <laughs> That's a